number three, the Pete Callender Show underway. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, and that is Callender with a K. Um, real quick, uh, just a last bit of this separate story, but it is Charlotte Transit related. Um, have you heard this story about the... Uh, the Katsuber, have you heard of this? Or the Katslift? I, that's, I'm just offering these as suggestions for the name of the service. Okay, fine. They're calling it Micro Transit Program, a Micro Transit Program. I find this to be hilarious. <laughs> this, this Micro Transit Program, what they're talking about is ride sharing, right? Like Uber, like Lyft. In other words, a taxi service. This is what they've been reduced to. That. <laughs> oh, come on. I shouldn't laugh. No, I should. Because 20 years ago, when they started the half cent transit sales tax, along with the arena vote and all of that, what was also going on was the transit plan was being implemented. And people back then were saying, hey, this bus system is garbage. You'd be better. And the amount of money you want to spend on the light rail line and the amount of money you want to spend to uh, make the bus lines rapid and uh, all of the revenue being generated by this half cent sales tax, the critics were saying it would be cheaper for you to buy a car for every rider on the system. It would have been. They did the math. I did the story all those years ago. It's true. It was true. I don't know about if you took the ridership numbers, take it the average price of a of a car, you could literally buy everybody a new car. And then they said, if you don't want to buy a new car, you could literally pay for a taxi ride. Just give people a debit card, have have it all go through the CAT system, and people just scan the card at the taxi. Problem solved. Mobility issue solved. You know me. I am all about solutions. Once you decide you're going to spend that amount of money, the question then becomes, is this the best way to allocate the money? But there are so many. See, the, the embedded uh, issue here is always whenever government creates these programs and services, yes, you end up with people that become dependent on it. However, if you get, I mean, think about it. If I gave you a card and said, all you need to do is call a taxi service or call Uber or call Lyft, and this card has money in it, and it will be, it will you'll be permitted to use it for those services. How many people would say, no, 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 I don't want that individual service. I prefer the bus. Right? How many, how many people say that? Embedded in the, the provision of these programs and services is always a jobs program component. Always. Milton Friedman talked about this decades ago. Most of the government programs, even when ostensibly designed for the poor, actually benefit the middle class because they have the jobs. They draw the paycheck, get the pensions, right, get the benefits. The people who administer these programs and services, not necessarily, obviously not necessarily the frontline workers, but the, the middle management and up, right, that's a middle class jobs program. 
There are a lot of people making a lot of money at Cats. They would be out of work if there were no buses and just a whole bunch of Ubers and taxis driving all over the place. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm certain there's going to be some form, some version of this idea that comes along that's like, uh, hey, why don't we build our own cars like the Postal Service? We'll make our own Jeep, (laughs) right? That's a great idea. We'll have our own fleet of the microtransit. Rather than just let people make the choices that think of it like vouchers. Oh, my gosh. Vouchers, Pete. We can't have the vouchers. Why not? Why can't we do a voucherized system? They're already they're so close. They're so close. They're all they're like knocking on the door of this concept. WBTV reports it may soon be easier for low-income bus riders to get where they need to be. <laughs> Come on. Really? As if that's the intention here of the program? Okay. The Charlotte Area Transits, I I kid, I kid. I'm sure everybody's in it for the right reasons. The Charlotte Area Transit System is set to receive $750,000 to expand their services into disadvantaged neighborhoods. They announced the grant this week. The money, which is from the FTA, the Federal Transit Administration, is part of the American Rescue Plan. It is designed to help transit agencies recoup from the pandemic. And CATS is going to use it to fund their microtransit program. It's a project meant to integrate... On-demand services, just like Uber or Lyft. Going into neighborhoods to make it easier to get to the transit center or popular bus routes. Oh, so close. They were so close to having the answer. Give the people the access to the Ubers, the Lyfts, the taxis. Not only do you incentivize people to get into that line of work, right, because now they'll have steady work. And you're not competing against government's, you know, bottomless pocketed uh, uh, transit system. But why would you take them to a bus stop? What is wrong with you people? Why would you say, oh, we're going to have this micro transit idea. We're going to come pick you up in a car at your house and we're going to bring you to your destination as long as that is the bus stop. Why? For the love of me, Why? Why would you do that? They're already in the car. Just take them to where they're going. Go. It's so close to getting it. Cats would potentially operate some of those services. They're also looking into partnerships with both rideshare companies as well as bike and scooter services. Oh, for them. Oh, my God. You just set up one debit card. There's actually already a model for this. You know what it is, right? There's already a model. EBT cards. WIC, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's already there. Model's already there. Model is already there. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. The Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete. By the way, this Pete here is going to be at the Family Dance Party Charlotte. It is uh, to benefit the Alzheimer's Association. The Family Dance Party benefiting the uh, association is going to be on 
Sunday or Saturday. I keep saying Sunday. June 11th. I'll just say June 11th. June 11th. You would think with the last name Calendar, I would know the dates. It's a different spelling. It's Calendar with a K. June 11th from 1 o'clock till 5 o'clock, Symphony Park in Charlotte. I'm actually going to be a judge. I'm going to sit in judgment of the dancing and the dancers. And I think I might go all Simon Cowell. I think I might do the Simon Cowell thing. Get like a white t-shirt, v-neck. Start, you know, working on my British accent. I, I got a lot of work to do, admittedly. It's one of those things, though, that the longer you speak in the accent, the easier it becomes. Okay. Anyway, North Carolina Senate Democrats want to buy your, I mean, they want to help you out. They are continuing a push to throw a bunch of money at a problem in the hopes that you vote for them because they threw money in your direction. $200. Yeah, they're calling it a gas tax rebate. It would be to help families, of course. This is a perfect example of how when I talk about North Carolina political press, political media, they, how impossible it is for them to ever detect a political motive for anything that they ever do. This is a classic example of it. Okay. Laura Leslie, Josie Zimmer, and Mark Bergen. You got three people that work at WRAL that worked on this story. And it's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, it's only 12 paragraphs. And, you know, in media, a paragraph is like a sentence. North Carolina Senate Democrats continued their push for a $200 gas tax rebate to help families struggling with higher gas prices, which are also contributing to higher prices for groceries and other consumer goods. So might there be another motive for Democrats to be wanting to toss a bunch of money in your direction? I'll give you a hint. It might have something to do with their reelection prospects because they're Democrats and they may be worried about getting tied to the economic performance or lack thereof of the Biden administration at the national level. So if I throw uh, out a proposal, I can't even say they're going to throw money at you because they don't have the power. They're in the minority party. So here's another political motive. Maybe the idea is. Offer up this idea so the Republicans shoot it down and then you can run on a campaign message that Republicans don't care about you. They refuse to give you a tax break for gas, a rebate. We tried to give you back some of, well, I guess your money. (laughs) Yeah, get this. If approved, you know who would be eligible? Anybody over the age of 18 with a valid state driver's license. Which is racism. I have been reliably informed that that would be Jim Crow, I guess, 3.0 at this stage. Jim Crow 3.0. Democrats. Suppressing drivers or something. Look, I don't make the rules. I'm just trying to apply the consistent standard. So now you're going to throw money at people if they have a driver's license. What about all of these people without driver's licenses? They're still paying for the increased cost of goods. You just said groceries and other goods. So confused. It's to help people. That's the only motive, I'm sure.
mean, honestly, it really should not be surprising that the party of the KKK is pitching Jim Crow 3.0 here in North Carolina with their racist idea to give away money based on whether you have the racisty racist driver's license, right? Leave it to the Klan party to come up with that idea. North Carolina Senate Democrats, the racists that they are, they want to give away $200 to people with driver's licenses. That's the barrier for entry. What about these people who are like 90 years old and they don't have a driver's license? They can't get one because they they don't have a birth certificate. It burned up in a fire. This is disenfranchisement. Drivers would be eligible for the $200 gas tax rebate if, as of March 31st, they are a North Carolina resident over the age of 18 with a valid state driver's license. What about a what about a student ID? Huh? What about a student ID? If I'm in college, I'm probably kicking in some gas money for my road trips down to Florida on spring break. Come on now. Shouldn't I get some of that money back? The rebate would be issued as a check or a debit card and would be sent no later than October 1st. Just in time to remind you who loves you. Democrats. Well, I mean, except if you're obviously like, you know, you're, you're undocumented, right? Well, I mean, that's right. That's, that's what you would be. If you don't have a driver's license, you are undocumented and if you're undocumented democrats don't want to give you money again kind of racisty xenophobic it's an amazing pitch they are uh, asserting here what else here uh, did, oh by the way this is from the wral story it took three reporters to write this Uh, The rebate would be issued as a check or debit card. To pay for the rebates, lawmakers would transfer $1.3 billion from the state's anticipated over-collection of $4 billion. This is because of one-time revenue that came in. There were big adjustments. I covered this at the time when the budget projections, when they got their latest update, and they took in way more revenue than expected. Why? Because people were like, we got all this GovCo cash. We got to burn it. We got to spend it. We got to use it. And so it had a lot of economic activity, right? Higher than expected sales taxes. One-time money, though. Here, that, That's the thing. And I know Democrats don't understand this. It's one-time revenue. This is not expected to continue year after year. But when you have a philosophy, see a penny, spend a penny, it doesn't matter how it's being spent. They just want to spend it. And so if this is a good way to buy vote, I mean to help people, this is a good way to help people, then uh, then they're totally on board to do it, even if it is xenophobic and racist. Um, Some GOP members of the of the chamber, the Senate, are interested in some form of tax release, even a possible rebate. But the party would be less inclined to support a gas tax rebate, according to the top Republican in the Senate, Phil Berger. Quote, I would like to see something that's a little bit more broad-based and long-lasting as opposed to a temporary thing that may help with one tank of gas or two. It's a $200 rebate, Senator Berger. 
Don't you think you're being a little, I don't know, optimistic that it's going to cover two tanks of gas? By the time these things go out the door, $200, I mean, that, that might get you a quarter, maybe half a tank by that point. At the rate things are going. Um, also, do you notice what they're pitching instead? In order to help North Carolinians against the ravages of inflation, which is due to what? Overspending of the federal government. Right? So ravages of inflation, too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. Democrats say, here's $200. But, but not you people. Not the undocumented. Right? And people who, you know, we want to disenfranchise. They have no driver's license. Oh, what would you call it? The oh, it, wouldn't this be like a a uh, a mobility equity issue? A, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's got to be some equity component here. Anyway, rather than give two hundred dollars just to a select group of people, Republicans suggest, "Hey, why don't we do broad-based tax?" Cuts for everybody. Watch how the left reacts to this idea. Well, you know, though it's the way they react to all tax cut ideas. You're going to bankrupt us. That's what they've been saying for 15 years, right? Almost 15 years. Republicans came in in 2010. They won their election. 2011, they actually uh, took control. Well, but then they didn't get their reform started for another two years after that. So I guess 2013. Okay, so not even a decade. They started knocking down the income tax rates in North Carolina, knocking them down a quarter point, half a point at a time, because they wanted to see, you know, what's, what is it going to do to the revenue picture? And you don't want to just shock the system, you know, and go from a seven and a half percent or eight percent. I think it was an eight percent marginal rate at the time and knock it down to, you know, one percent. You can't do all that at once because if you mess up, if, if you went too low, then you're going to be in serious trouble. So they start knocking it down little by little. And you have, you know, the usual suspects in this state, the constellation of progressive nonprofits that are funded by, you know, WRAL's ownership group, among others, and the Z. Smith Reynolds Foundation, among others. Um, these organizations, the Budget and Tax Center, like, you're going to just destroy this state. We'll be bankrupt. They, I mean, all of these predictions of fiscal calamity. And they were wrong, 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 so wrong on everything. And I mean everything. The revenues went up. We paid off our debts. Businesses came. People were working. North Carolina is a success story for tax reform. And I don't think we should have to listen to anything these people say anymore when they've been so, so wrong. And so when Phil Berger comes along and says, hey, you know what, rather than the $200 vote buying, I mean, people helping plan, right? Rather than just do that, how about we just spread that love, spread that wealth to everybody, whether they have the documents or not, right? We want to give tax relief to the undocumenteds. We want to give tax relief to everybody, even if they don't have a driver's license, because we're not trying to suppress them. We're not Jim Crow 3.0.
News Talk 1110 wbt The American Automobile Association, otherwise known as the AAA, says the average cost of a gallon of gas in North Carolina is up about 35% from a year ago. It's now like 440 a gallon. Prices have surged, according to WRAL's report. Prices have surged in part because of restricted global supply due to sanctions on Russia. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Did you see Biden was trying to get some more Saudi oil? Is there a guy who's been more wrong on so many things? <laughs> like say, Every single thing, foreign policy. Well, even domestic. Anyway, uh, yeah, the Saudis not interested. They're not taking his calls. They're not opening up the, uh, the spigots for him. I do find it interesting that Saudi oil apparently does not contribute to global warming. But because otherwise, why would he be asking them to produce more oil? Right? Why is he trying to kill the planet? Um, prices have surged because of restricted global supply due to sanctions on Russia, an increase in summer travel, and a general increase in travel as COVID-19 lockdowns have been lifted globally. This is what the three journalismers at WRAL are telling you the reason for the high guy, uh, gas prices are. This is why. Putin's price hike, they're essentially amplifying the president's narrative, right? The Putin price hike. They've adopted that. They're amplifying it. They're just uh, regurgitating it to you. Blech. There you go. Like a, like a baby bird taking the chewed up worm from its mother's gullet. Also an increase in summer travel. See, so you you are part of the problem. You're contributing to the problem. You're sucking down that gas while you're taking the family on some vacation after being cooped up in your house under COVID rules and lockdowns for two plus years. How dare you? You're trying to kill Gaia Earth, not Joe Biden. He's going for the he's going for the clean Saudi oil and uh, also a general increase in travel. No mention here of any other pressures of any kind that may have some sort of a role on the increased gas prices. Interesting. Now, they do throw in this sentence. Just in case you were unclear as to their complete economic illiteracy and or gaslighting dishonesty. They say, meanwhile, rising inflation has added to personal finance woes across the country. Rising inflation has added to personal finance woes. Okay, first off, stop using the word woes. No one uses that word unless they're using it ironically like woe to you or woe to thee. That nobody uses that word woes. You're, this is not a headline. You got a, This is an internet page. You have literally limitless Space to write whatever words you want. Don't write woes. Finance woes. But also, um, what caused that inflation? If rising inflation has added to these personal finance woes, maybe you could tell us what caused the, in, the uh, inflation? No. 
By the way, there's a rule of thumb. I think I've talked about this, uh, but maybe not. If you ever want to get a good idea of um, what print reporters and, and, well, all reporters, generally speaking, but you really see it in print, but uh, also television, is it's really pronounced. Um, the last sentence of their story, that's the best indication of what they think of the story. What they choose for their last sentence. I understand the inverted pyramid, right? The inverted triangle where you've got, uh, you know, the most important information starts at the top of the story because most people that are reading the story or hearing it, uh, they they don't go past the headlines. So you want to jam as much stuff into that first paragraph as possible so people get an idea of what the story is about. Unless you're writing for a magazine, in which case you got to start talking about like you're reading a food blog or something where people start talking about, oh, this trip to Italy and uh, sun-drenched tomatoes and blah, blah, blah. It's like, just give me the recipe. Like that's a magazine article, right? Magazine articles kind of back into the story. They usually start with, Pete was a small town boy from Alabama where his father was a sharecropper. Let's start with that whole line of approach, right? But in the media, generally newspapers, TV, and print, they'll start with the most important information, boom, right at the top. And then they work their way down with less information as you go further into the story until you get to the last sentence. And then what I like to call it's the punch. That last sentence is like, I want you to leave thinking this. And so the last line from the WRAL story, which is a TV station, the get, they quote the Democrat, the, the, our North Carolina version of Beto is uh, Michael Garrett. Uh, the gas tax rebate isn't going to fix all the challenges facing our economy, but it will provide much needed relief right now. North Carolina families are struggling to keep up with the rising cost of everyday goods. They feel it when they fill up their vehicles. They feel it when they go to the grocery store and they feel it at the pharmacy. Boom. That's the punch. Nowhere do they explain who's to blame. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, that if they could tie these things, all of these woes, to the Republican legislature and their tax reforms, that's what these stories would be. But right now, you get this sort of detached... Oh, my gosh, I can't believe all of these things are happening to us. I have no idea what it's due to. And now they want to give away some money right before the election to make you forget. Don't forget, Brett Winterbull's coming up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.